right, our scripture this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 16 to 21. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Here at the turn of the year still in this month of January, we're looking to gain perspective we're continuing to just try to gain perspective as individuals, families, as a, as a church. And I, I kind of liken the beginning of the year to the holiday of Thanksgiving in this regard. Because really we ought to be thankful just all throughout the year, right? There's plenty to be thankful for. But then we have the, the, the holiday of Thanksgiving to really help concentrate our need for cultivating gratitude. But in the same way, we have this, you know, gift at the turn of the year to just remember that we need to pull the lens back from time to time and, and, and gain perspective. And so we're going to do that. We're continuing to do that uh, as individuals, as, as families. But we also want to do that collectively as a church because today we're calling it our Vision Sunday. So we're, we're sharing a little bit about the exciting things we anticipate God is getting ready to do and how you can be a, a part of that. And what this text shows us that was just read is that God is in the business of doing new things in and through his people. He is constantly wanting to do new things in and through his people. It's said this way. God says this through, through his prophet Isaiah. See, I am doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Uh, this is wonderful news for a people facing terrible things. Uh, this uh, prophet wrote about 700 years before Christ when the people of Judah, the two southern tribes of Judah, were facing exile by way of the Babylonians. They had already seen their, their brethren, the ten uh, tribes of Israel to their north, conquered by the ancient Assyrians. But now Babylon was at their front gate, and it looked like just a matter of time before they would be taken into exile. And indeed, they would be taken into exile. And Isaiah was writing in the midst of these scary times. you got to figure for these people, they were feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of, a lot of fear, and yet, in the midst of those scary times, God came with this promise. See, I'm doing a new thing. Uh, do, you, do you see it? Can you not perceive it? I'm getting ready to do something new. And, and actually, thank God that, that, that he ultimately did do a new thing, even through those scary things. Because ultimately, what he was really promising was the, was the promise of Jesus and the Messiah. Uh, he was getting ready to do a new, wonderful thing through these guys. Not in ways that they necessarily saw or would have scripted for themselves. But they needed to be watching for them. Do you see it? Do you not perceive it? God is in the business of doing new things in and through his people, and he wants to invite you and me to be a part of that. Are you watching for it? How is your 2023? How are you looking at your 2024 and feeling about that? God wants to do a new and wonderful thing through you, 
And he wants to do a new and wonderful thing through us as a, as a church. And we want to be watching for that so we get to be a part of it. So today what we're going to talk about is how we can lean into the new things that God wants to do in our lives. Okay? So let me pray and then we'll, then we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much that you are a God of doing uh, new things. Uh, even in, sometimes especially in the hard things. I want to pray for those here today where perhaps they're coming in after having a pretty rough year. Or maybe it's been a rough few years. Maybe as they look at 2024, it's, it's pretty bleak in many senses for them. Father, I want, I want to pray that you would especially minister to their hearts. Help them see the new and wonderful things you're constantly doing around them and inviting them into. But that's really our prayer for all of us as individuals, as families. And today on this Sunday that we're, we're calling Vision Sunday, for us as a church, we want to constantly be looking to be a part of your things because your things and your things alone are the things of eternity. So, Father, help us lean into these things. Help us to see from your word how to do that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so how can we lean into the new things that God often is doing around us, inviting us into? Number one, Isaiah shows us, verses 16 and 17, to remember God's faithfulness. We need to always be remembering God's faithfulness. Here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again. Isaiah, of course, is referencing the great exodus when God delivered his people out of Egypt and the slavery there. They fled out of Egypt and they came to a place where they were kind of really cornered in on all sides. They had two mountain ranges on, on each side of them. And ahead of them was, was, of course, the Red Sea. And the army of the Egyptians and Pharaoh were coming, coming after them. And they were kind of cooked unless God showed up and did something. You know the story. God parted the seas, the Red Sea, made a way for them. And Isaiah is saying to this people that's staring down being conquered by the Babylonians many years later, he's saying, look, if God took care of them then, if he was faithful to them then, he's going to be faithful to you now. You can, you can trust him. It might not turn out the way you would think or hope, but he will be faithful. He's faithful then. He's faithful today. How are you at remembering God's faithfulness? Do you remember God's faithfulness? It is almost embarrassingly comical how often I forget personally God's faithfulness in my life. There are things that come up, I approach in life, things come up in my life, and I just, I start to stress out and get anxious, and I start to share it with Cindy. It's like, oh, no, this is not going to work out. And either she or I come to remember on my own, oh, wait, but God took care of me before. And something very similar to this. It's, it's comically embarrassing. I say that as a pastor, as your pastor, okay? But I'm also encouraged that that's the human condition, we forget God's faithfulness all the time, but God is so faithful to us. If you've been following the Lord for any length of time, you know that. But guess what? You also know that if you've been following him for even a very short length of time. And guess what? You could even perhaps see his faithfulness if you haven't yet decided to follow him. What do I mean by that? Well, I remember there was a gentleman who got baptized here at Current. And I remember his story that he shared talking about how he didn't grow up in a church, never went to church growing up. Uh, but even as he came to put his faith in the Lord later in life, he could look back before he made a decision to follow Jesus and already see clearly his words, God working in his life. God is faithful. He's constantly doing things. The reality is we don't often have the eyes to see it. We do not perceive it. But he's faithful. and He can be, he can be trusted. How are you at seeing God's faithfulness in your life? You know, what's really fascinating about this text is Isaiah is actually saying 
you can look for God's faithfulness in the lives of others. You don't even just need to see God's faithfulness in your own life. You can see his faithfulness in others and cling to his faithfulness because of what he's been doing in others' lives. You know what I'm saying? Because he's saying to this people in Judah facing the Babylons, hey, remember when God was faithful to your ancestors as they were fleeing from Egypt? Do you remember how he's faithful then? If he's faithful with them, he's going to be faithful with you. Have you ever thought of it that way, those of you who are followers of Christ? Have you ever thought of it that you can cling to God's faithfulness when it is shared from others? I love that. I'm, I, I have lost track of times in this starting a church journey where I have gone, oh my goodness, I'm worried, but God took care of my parents when they started a church. He could probably take care of us now. He's going to take care of us now. God is faithful. You can, you, can, you can look to the faithfulness of God in others. This is one of the reasons I love going to current groups, our, our version of Bible studies, and hearing people share, hearing you share what God is doing in your life, how you see him faithfully working in your life, because not only do I get to hear that and, sh- and share in the joy of his faithfulness to you, I get to claim that for myself and, and all the rest of us. Because guess what? He's the same God. It's not a competition. He's faithful. He's faithful to us. He's faithful to others. We can see his faithfulness. And guess what? If that's still hard to find faithfulness in any of those ways, ourselves or in others, you can always look to the cross. Because that's one of the most beautiful things about this text is that when it, whenever the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, so the, te- the Testament leading up to the time of, of Christ, whenever it talks about, say, quote, making a way, it's almost always pointing forward to when Christ would make a way. You know, Isaiah here is referencing the great exodus out of Egypt. Well, Christ came to do the great exodus to help us be freed from the bondage of sin and, and death. Jesus made a way on the cross. It's infinitely greater than being delivered through, through the Red Sea. He made a way for us to be brought back into a right relationship with God. That's what the, the gospel is, literally the good news. Jesus on the cross died for our sins that by faith we can receive eternal life in him. In fact, if you're here today and you've never received that, I hope you don't hear anything else other than that. That's the gospel. That's the good news. This is what makes you a Christian. Faith in what Christ has done for you alone. Forgiveness of sins. And then it's just the best we can, following his Lord, meaning trying to live it out, follow his ways. That's what it means to follow Christ. That's what it means to grow in Christ, constantly look back to him. But he's always faithful. I love how Romans 8 says it. He says, if, if, if God was faithful to you in the sense of sending his son, how much... How much more will he graciously give you all the things that you need? God is faithful. So whatever you're facing, whenever you're trying to get perspective, we get so bogged down and miss the fact that God is faithful. He can be trusted. You can can lean into that. You have the eyes, the heart eyes to see that, to perceive that, to lean in to what he might be doing in your life, inviting you into. So number one, we need to uh, remember God's faithfulness. Number two, we need to not dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past, okay? Uh, Let's see this in verse 18. He literally says it this way. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Remember remember how God is faithful, but don't dwell on the things of the past. Do you guys remember the uh, cartoon Winnie the Pooh? Is that still in our collective conscience, or are we growing out of that? Am I too old? I don't know. Winnie the Pooh, you guys? You guys remember the character Eeyore, the purple donkey? Okay, I'm seeing enough nods. I'm going to go with it, all right? Donkey was always just focusing on what was hard. Life is terrible. You know, he had that low voice, baritone, whatever. I wish I, could, I wish I could say good morning to you, but there's very few good mornings, so I won't. You know, I mean, that's, 
That's Eeyore in a nutshell, right? He was constantly dwelling on the past, constantly dwelling on how things were hard, right? You, don't bother finding my tail because even if you do, chances are I'm just going to lose it again. You know, it's like, and you know, you know who, you know what Eeyore's greatest enemy was? Eeyore would have said his hard his hard circumstances. It's my hard circumstances. That's why life's so hard. But Eeyore's friends would have said, no, 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 Eeyore's Eeyore's worst enemy. You know what I mean? It's like Eeyore's the reason why Eeyore's having a hard time. Just focusing on, he's just dwelling to the point of he's missing, he's, he's missing out on what's happening around him. And what I think is being said here in this text in a far greater way is when we dwell on the past, whether that's hard things or whether things aren't going well, or frankly, even if things were great back then, we can very easily miss out on the wonderful things God is doing right in front of us or wanting to invite us into can't dwell on the past. Jesus said it this way, do not worry. It could also be translated, uh, do not be anxious about anything in life. Don't worry. So he's not saying, hey, you can't think about things or be concerned about them. He's saying that don't, don't dwell on things to the point that it's, it's an anxiety inducing for you. If you're doing that, don't do that. And notice that when he says that, it's not a simple suggestion. Hey, it might be nice if you didn't worry. He said, don't do it as our Lord. He commanded it. Meaning, if I could put it in stark terms, it's a sin to worry. Whoa, wait a minute. That sounds kind of intense. Well, think about it. What's, what's the sin underneath worrying? When we worry, whatever we're facing, and it's bringing us to the point where we're dwelling to the place of anxiety, what we're really saying deep down as followers of God, oh my goodness, God can't be trusted in this. I don't think his plan here is a good one. At least not how it's shaping out right now. And so we're anxious about it. We're worried. And I don't find it coincidence that Jesus goes on in that very same section of Scripture to say, he concludes that thought by saying, therefore, uh, seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. That's one of the greatest scripture, scriptural promises in, in, the, in the Bible. Seek God's kingdom first, and everything else that you need will work itself out. You can trust God. Look for what he's doing. Do you have the eyes to see it? Are you perceiving it? Don't dwell on the past. Remember God's faithfulness. Uh, the problem is we tend to dwell, wouldn't you say? Any of you guys dwellers? It's kind of a funny way to put it, but yeah, we all dwell. We all dwell. What is something you are dwelling on right now? At the turn of the year, what are you, what are you dwelling on? What is something that is weighing you down? Perhaps even taking your eyes off things happening around you, let alone the things of, of God. And whatever that might be that's, that you are dwelling on, can you take that to the Lord? I mean, even now in prayer or, say, during the last worship set, can you take it to, take, take it to him in prayer? This is not to say you can just snap your fingers and uh, the Lord might do that for you. That would be wonderful. But the point is, can you start to begin to, begin to say, Lord, I've been dwelling on this. It's been taking my vision such that I'm blind to other things. I'm just, everything, I'm dwelling on this. Help me trust you. Can, can you do that? Whether it's related to your health, a business that you're part of, relationships, I don't know. Because think of it this way. In comparison to what Isaiah was saying to this group of people, we are not facing as scary things as they. They were facing exile. They were facing a, a warring, conquering people. And yet the Lord, through his prophet, said, don't dwell how much more can we trust the Lord? This side of the cross, by the way, not dwelling, remembering his faithfulness. And then third thought, in terms of how we can lean into this promise of God always doing a new thing, inviting us into, is we can be expectant. 
Now I'm borrowing language from our values shamelessly here. But I think, I think you see the thought here. We can be expectant. See this, of course, in our key verse, 19. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way through the wilderness. That word there, see, can also be translated behold, look, watch. It's saying pay attention. God could very easily, well, he's saying to them, God is doing things around you. Are you paying attention for that? Are you watching? Are you looking for it? Because he's moving. And that, that's been our prayer as a church since before day one. <laughs> we, we, as God moves, we want to try to move with him. Our prayer is that, God, as you move, would you graciously include us in your eternal things? Would you build your church even in spite of us? In fact, would you do it especially in spite of us? We want to be about that. God is constantly wanting to do new things in and through his people. And he graciously allows us to be a part of it, provided we're watching for it. Do you see it? Do you not perceive it? You know, it's really fascinating. And when you, when you start to think about this in terms of kind of its broader application for us today, it's saying, he goes on to say that he's making a way through the wilderness, way, making a way through the wasteland. There's a lot of people, particularly outside of this area, that look at the Bay Area and say, spiritually speaking, that's a wasteland. That's a wilderness. But we're seeing God make a way through the wasteland wilderness, if that's true spiritually here, by providing water, which he goes on to say here in verse 20, I will provide water in the wilderness. Jesus also went on to say, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If you drink of me, you will never thirst again. And then a, a verse very near and dear to our hearts, let anyone, uh, uh, whoever believes in me as the scriptures teach, from within them will flow rivers of living water. That's very near and dear to us as a church because that's where we get our name, current. Whoever believes me as the scriptures teach from within them will flow rivers of living water. We like to say it this way. If life is like a flowing river here in the Silicon Valley, it is very easy to find our ultimate sense of worth, value, meaning, security in things like our jobs, our wealth, making it big, our resume, whatever you want to fill in the blank there. But Jesus said from... For within us will flow rivers of living and water when we're in him, meaning there's a new current in Christ. When we find our ultimate value, meaning identity, security in him, there is life and life to the fullest, as he says elsewhere. We want to make this available, these streams of living water to those around us as a church. And by God's grace, he's been doing that. People have been coming to faith, we say to, to his praise. Our part in this, though, is to be expectant. See do you not see? Are you not perceiving? We've got to watch, be expectant. Long, we long to move as he moves or, or, allow, or ask that he would allow us to be a part of his things as he, as he moves. I said earlier that today is Vision Sunday. It's a very fun day for us because what we are sharing today, what's on the biggest thing on our horizon, that is we're getting ready to launch a second gathering. We're really excited about that. That's going to happen on March 3rd. The times are going to be 9.30 and 11. Teams have put a lot of thought into all of this. And the big reason we're doing this is to make room for more people to hear about the love of God through Christ. I love it. Looking out here and it's like we're starting, we're filling this room. It's exciting. God's even, the, the, the kids' grand hall is filling even more. It's nuts back there in a good way. Parents, the kids are taken care of. Don't have to worry about it. Kids, uh, kids' teams are doing a phenomenal job. I remember going through the grand hall. It's called a grand hall. I remember going through the Grand Hall over there, first time being like, wow, this is amazing space. We could grow into this. And now it's like we got to move, we got to create more room. It's like, 
How awesome is that? God is just moving. In 2023, I say all this to God's glory, we saw just under 40 people make first-time faith decisions to follow Jesus. In here on a Sunday, we are now seeing about 300, we're seeing considerably more than 300 people here on a Sunday. I say none of this to pat ourselves on the back. No way. I say this, one, to thank God, but two, also to strategically help you know why we're making room. We need to make room. We don't want to create a ceiling where God is moving. We want to kind of continue to see him moving. So we're making plans for that. It's, it's really exciting. And, you know, beyond the numbers, because really that's not, that's not what excites us the most, although numbers are fun because, it's, you know, God can uh, encourage us through just kind of tangible things like that. But we're, we're almost most excited about things like, for instance, the kids' teams being able to attend here on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Like one of the things, I remember when we launched the second gathering, uh, in uh, February 2020, at the Senior Center. You guys remember the math of that? February, uh, March 2020 was when the pandemic. So pray as we launched this gathering. There would be no pandemic that, that follows. But even still, God is doing a new thing. Okay, anyways. Um, February 2020, I remember specifically a moment when I was preaching and I saw a few from our kids' team sitting in on a Sunday morning worship and I was like, there they are. Like I just, oh man, I'm starting to get emotional. Thinking about what amazing things faithfully our kids' teams are regularly doing back there, serving our little ones in the next generation, to have them in here on a Sunday more regularly worshiping with us, oh, that gets me excited. Yeah, amen. Let's thank the kids' teams. The other thing I'm really excited about, and this is a new frontier for us because we've only recently been developing a, a youth ministry, youth parents, I'm we're really excited about the possibility of the youth being able to attend these services as well. So during the second gathering, I believe, we're getting ready to do the, the youth gathering. So the youth gathering will still be the same where they go and they meet together as, as a group. That will be during the second service. I, I would encourage you, if you can, youth parents, to also be here for the first. I know. If, if it works out for you, it, there is such, something so invaluable for the youth to be in here on a Sunday. And what I mean by that is one of our biggest hopes and visions for the youth is to equip them to navigate this world as Christ followers. To be able to, as they go off to college, live out their faith on their own. You know what I mean? And so being in here on a Sunday will help them taste and see what it's like to be in the corporate worship as a body in this sense. So that when they go off to college, they're like, okay, I get that. They can also serve. I'm really excited about that. I feel like that's priceless. It's invaluable. And that's one of the new things we're excited about in terms of the youth and their, their, their ability to do that. Uh, one of the we're a portable church, we get better bang for our buck with all the stuff we're setting up anyways. You know what I mean? Efficiency is a beautiful thing. We get to use it twice, you know. I'm, we're making room. We're making room for our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers to hear about the love of God through Christ. And we're excited to invite you into that. There's, there's opportunity for you, church family, to roll up your sleeves and join with us in what we humbly believe and are experiencing to be the work of the Lord in this area where he is bringing water, living water. One of the things we want to put before you is, the, is, is thinking about, we'd love to ask for those who are able to serve one, attend one. If you're able to do this, particularly through Easter of this year, which is end of March, I believe, uh, if you're able to do that, that would be a huge, tremendous help to us as a church to just kind of get over the, the hump. Um, but serve one, attend one. 
Uh, the kids' teams, just so you know, are thinking specifically about this. For those of you volunteers with little ones, they're thinking about this and going to be able to take care of the little ones. But serve one, attend one. If that works for you, that would be a tremendous help to us as a church as we get over, get over the hump. But here are three specific ways we're calling each of us to be a part of this. And we call, I'd love to invite you into each of these ways. Number one, would you be praying? We move towards two gathering. Would you be praying? Can't underscore this enough. It's something so straightforward. It's so easy to neglect. But would you pray? Everybody here knows change, even wonderful change, is not easy. Transitions are always challenging. So would you pray? Would you, would you pray for the church? Would you pray for church leadership? Would you pray for provision? Would you pray for protection? Would you pray for unity? Would you pray that God would go before us and help more people come to Christ? Would you pray? Number two, would you serve? Would you consider learning more about a team today? So there's a little bit of a volunteer fair outside today, which is kind of fun. There's going to be tables with team leads behind them. There's also a join a team card that should have been on your seat when you came in. You can go and look at that if, you, if you'd like. It has all the different teams that we're kind of highlighting heading into two gatherings. Uh, just so you know, the culture that we try to create here is whenever you're like signing up or trying to figure things out, you're not taking a giant black Sharpie pen to something and signing your life away. You know what I mean? Like we'd just love to get you information and have a conversation with you. And, and try to get you in the right spot, by the way. Um, but you can sign this up to hear more about that. You can even better go talk to somebody out there uh, behind the table. They'd love to share more with you. Um, one team I do want to highlight is our operations team. The operation guys and gals are awesome. Yeah, can we give them a hand? I love these guys because they're always out there with smiles on their face as they're pushing stuff. They're getting their workout in. I love it. Um, you, you guys are such a gift. Recently, I don't think we hyped this all that much, but we recently got these guys gloves for pushing things. It's kind of funny. So you could sign up and get a glove. I want a glove. They didn't give me one. But um, but I encourage you to do that because it's a wonderful way. We have two 24-foot trailers that come in every Sunday to set up and tear down. Uh, not only this room, which is actually light over here, but also the kids' space that we kind of bifurcate for all the, all the classes and whatnot. Um, so that's a great way to get to know other people in the church as well as, as you know, help us push push things forward. To me, the operations team is the backbone of, of the church. And just real quick story. For me, when I was in middle school and high school, uh, I got to be on the setup and tear, tear down team every week. Every week. Just so you know, here at Current, we try to, they're, they're rotations. When you sign up, it's like it's not every week, okay? But I love doing it every week. And we, by the way, didn't have these rolling casters that are easy operations team. Right now. Sorry. We love you guys. I'm not trying to do that. Um, we had, you know, these awkward, you know, because this is back in, you know, the 90s. So it was, it was just fun. And um, I, will, I, I wouldn't trade that time for the world because, one, I got to meet other people in the church as, as a youth that I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to do so. And, number two, it gave me a front row seat of seeing God do incredible things through that church, which I am so grateful for. And I wouldn't be surprised as much the reason why I'm here today. So there's so much opportunity to help us set the table, as it were, um, you, could, you could hear more about that team and all these other teams on here and talk to the team afterwards. So we encourage you to pray. We encourage you to serve. And then number three, we encourage you to bring. Would you think about bringing someone or two on March 3rd? Because we're going to throw a party that day. It's going to be a momentous occasion. And if you've been here for a length of time, you know that on certain Sundays, Easter and Christmas being obvious ones. But whenever we kind of together try to bring folks, uh, we should, you know, as a culture, we want to be doing this all the time. But when we collectively decide on a day, it can create momentum and excitement. And really, maybe the new thing that God wants to do in some people's lives by way of eternity is by way of us bringing people. 
And so would you think about bringing someone? Uh, we always like to say we can control the invite. We can't control whether they say yes or no, and that's, that's fine. But pray, serve, bring. Uh, last thing, just as a quick side note, uh, we'll be sending out a survey uh, not, uh, not, not too long from now uh, with the, the two times, the two uh, service times. If you'd be willing to kind of let us know what service you're planning to attend. Again, there's going to be a 9, uh, 9.30 and 11. Um, that would help us as we kind of plan and try to right-size the room and all of that sort of thing. There's also going to be a third option, almost certainly. It's going to say, put me where you need me. Bless you ahead of time if that's you. But um, let us know through the survey. But God is in the business of, of all, he's constantly doing new things in and through his people. And he's just asking, do we have the eyes to see? Do we perceive it? Will we lean in? You know, I just, if you had told me uh, seven years ago, or even coming out of the pandemic, that God would be doing what he's doing now through this space, I'm not sure I would have believed you. But that's, that's what God does. He does wonderful things, and he graciously chooses to allow us to maybe just maybe be a part of it. Our role in this is to be expectant. See, I am doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And the reason why we do all this, just make sure we hit this point, is verse 21, which is the conclusion of the matter, that they, my people, God says, may proclaim my praise. We do this out of the love of Christ and because of him and for him. We do this with, with worshipful hearts. God has done so many wonderful things for us. He is so wonderful and kind, and we just want to sing his praises. And be a part of his things. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is loving. And he is someone always doing a new thing. And including us to be a part of it. It's incredible. So as the, as the band comes up, I would just say that my prayer for everyone here is that in this 2024, for you individually, for, for as uh, families, for us as a church, that this would be a year where you have the eyes to see and to perceive God doing a new thing. Maybe you're going through some hard things. This is not a promise that things will necessarily be easy or not challenging. The promise is God's going to do a new thing. And that new thing is always better than what we would do on our own. Do you have the eyes for it? Do you perceive it? And would you pray for us as a church as we try to do that collectively? Uh, let's, let's pray to close our time. Father, we are just filled with awe and amazement with your faithfulness way you've just so graciously been moving in the life of the church, helping people come to know you, put their faith in you, grow in you. And how you just graciously use us, even in spite of ourselves. Lord, it's through our weakness that your strength is made perfect. We're so thankful that you do new things and you call us into being a part of that. So Father, would you continue to do that? Would you continue to allow us to be a part of it? Because the last thing we want to do is put effort into something where it might seem like everything's cool, but we're just spinning our wheels because you're not a part of it. We just want to be a part of your things, whatever, whatever that is. And so we're excited about the year ahead. Pray that you go before us in all these things. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.